When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. everybody to another episode of Bubba and the Bloom episode 17 got a fun one for you no bloom boards but we have recapping a 2023 draft yes I did not mistake misspeak a 2023 NFBC draft champions draft that will be a part of the overall first seven rounds in the books we'll get to that your recent news weekly matchups as usual as Ryan gets me on one topic I get him in another so it's rinse and repeat it feels like this season you can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick and my co-host, as always, the aforementioned Ryan Bloomfield on Twitter at RyanBHQ. How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, man. A, 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 but first, a quick correction to your intro. This is Bubba in the Bloom episode 17, but I know you're too humble and uh, and, and shy to admit this is, this is Benched with Bubba episode 500, and that <laughs> is, um, honestly, man, that's a, that's a milestone. Like, that's really cool. For how long you've been doing this and how long um, you've been kind of bringing guests on and been a part of this community. I'm not just saying this stuff like this is why I co-host with you. Congratulations. Like that's a, I think I think a pretty monumental accomplishment. You've been doing this a while. I've been guesting for four or five years on this thing with you. So yeah. um, job well done, my friend. I appreciate that. Kind words. I yeah, I am. I did. Yeah, I didn't want to bring up. Uh, I know you uh, didn't want to make a big deal yeah. out of it. Yeah, Pollock, Pollock gave me a hard time on 400 that I didn't make a big deal out of it. So he'll probably give me a hard time for this. But I appreciate that. I love doing it. Uh, I get to do it with Toby on Tuesday and you on Thursdays, which makes it the easiest job I've got. And then I mix in other guests. So it's awesome. I love what we got going here. It's a great show. So uh, thanks. And like, yeah, you said you've been guesting with me for a long time. So that's what made the transition to Thursday night pretty simple for the two of us. So uh, I appreciate that. And um, yeah. Hopefully 500 more to go. We'll see how it goes. But uh, it's a, it's a 
pa- passion project is the best way I can put it. So uh, we'll see. Maybe 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 we'll have like episode five twenty something in Arizona. We'll see how that one goes. And uh, we'll have to yeah we'll, we'll we'll have to count that out. But something like that absolutely. Yeah. Um, before we get into the recent news and everything, just because I know we've done it before, the special isn't there anymore. But do you want to mention anything else about a special event in November? With first pitch, uh, mm-hmm. I do want to mention golf if anyone yes. plays golf we're gonna we're going to really start ramping this up and get details we've got a kind of a handful of folks who are interested in playing golf with us thursday during the day november 3rd at, at first pitch arizona this is kind of on the side from the event but if any listeners out there are, are a going to first pitch arizona obviously um, let us know we'll hang out that sort of thing if on top of that you want to play golf uh, let both of us know we're going to start organizing that here pretty soon but tentatively planned for midday thursday for 18 holes before the um before the actual event kicks off thursday night so i am uh, i'm excited man it's only like two and a half months away so Dude, I mean, I we, we kind of do have to get going on planning on because people are going to do flights and that sort of thing i know you booked your return flight i still have the one way um yeah south southwest has another sale going on right now so i'd recommend i got basically my way back for less than 100 bucks so it's uh it, it's pretty nice pretty nice setup right now and it's uh i'll be getting in wednesday night i don't know if people don't care but what i'm trying to get at is we'll golf thursday early like late morning early afternoon like ryan said and then i'm pretty sure we'll have a welcome reception at a ballpark so you'll get to play golf yes. and watch a baseball game with a bunch of baseball addicts it's going to be an absolute blast so it's like the bet it's just it's too good i'm already excited thinking about it and uh it is just right around the corner which is crazy to think about and so. there's a potential it's kind of it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because they had to move the fall stars game from saturday night to sunday night because of this but mlb announced the postseason schedule and if the world series goes that far game six and seven will be during first pitch and that so i will I miss the fall stars it is what it is. It will still be a blast, but um, still get the home run derby, but um, which will be cool because it's the first year for it. So that'll be pretty awesome too. So we'll have more more to talk about on that. But yeah, like we said before, if you have any questions, obviously Ryan's the veteran. I've been there one year. I can still help you. I'm going to help Ryan Ramrod the golf. So if you have any questions, ask one of us. We'll we'll make it happen for you. But it'll be a lot of fun. All right, recent news. Let's start with the big elephant in the room, Fernando Tatis Jr. Got popped for steroids. One of the worst excuses I've ever heard of how he got used steroids. Like, come on, you got to be better than this. A cream for um, ringworm, which I'm sorry, you can go to the local store and get it off the shelf. It's called Lotrimin. It doesn't have steroids in it. That's what the doctors will tell you to get. So um, I don't buy it one bit. He's going to be out for the rest of this year. I found out last night, surprisingly, that the playoff games count towards the suspension, which I think is kind of wonky there so he'll probably miss about 30 to 40 games next season give or take we'll see how that plays out um obviously he's gone for this year but how do you approach this going forward ryan yeah so we had we had a little discussion on this and yeah like i mean it's kind of besides the point now it's been a a little bit older news but like with tatis you're you're thinking about next year in terms of not just like redraft which you know degenerates like us did our draft last night but for keeper leaks and that sort of thing and this did come up last night when we did our 2023 redraft tatis went 47th overall so beginning of the fourth round and 15 teamer zach waxman uh bit the bullet and, and and took tatis and yeah i mean we were talking about it's a max of 32 games minus whatever the padres do in the postseason so 
if they go the distance in a couple of playoff series, like maybe you're only missing a couple of weeks of Tatis and Tatis in the fourth round is like a bargain, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, I, I, and I don't think, I mean, for next year for keeper, that sort of thing. I don't, I'm not really knocking Tatis from a per game basis. I'm interested to see what he does with the shoulder, which now that he knows we're not going to see him until April or May of next season is, is he going to get surgery to clean that up? What's going to happen there? But I, I mean, fourth round like like waxman was a little bit a little bit timid with the pick like he wasn't super thrilled to make it but that could absolutely pay off in the early fourth round so um yeah interesting news like i i mean obviously you're you're not using tatis it sucks to cut him if you drafted him and redraft and held him for this long hasion kim will just stay at shortstop and padres like not not much newsworthy there but um just thought it was interesting that tatis went 47th last night uh, in the draft yeah, and we'll do more draft recapping, but since we're talking about him, I just want to ask you, because I know like there was been chatter around Twitter, like where should he go next year? I thought maybe around like six-ish. Where where like so he's basically off the board for me, is what it comes down to. He would be I'm still I'm still worried about the shoulder. I would love to see him get surgery right now. Like I'm still worried about that thing. So where where would you have had him going in that draft? I I probably would have taken him fifth or sixth, similar to you, which means I'm probably not getting him. Like I I think in the, I think roughly fourth round is where you're going to see him next year. So I I thought last night's pick from Zach was, was, was more or less, I mean, one draft's going to be so different, more or less where I think Tatis will go next year. Obviously so many question marks from now until next March, but it seemed about right. Yep, lots of stuff to go till then. Yusei Kikuchi gets moved to the bullpen. We've gone over this up and down roller coaster, mainly down for Yusei Kikuchi of late. And now he goes to the bullpen. Ross Stripling returned from the IL, looked good again. It's like the Stripling effect. It's He's got to be efficient to go deep into the game, but he's done that this year. He's just not a big strikeout guy, but ratios are there. So he's locked in. Maybe some Mitch White. Uh, any Any quick thoughts on Kikuchi going to the pen? addition by subtraction right so like i know i know bubba you had a tweet out you know imagine imagine starting kikuchi in uh or fabbing kikuchi or whatever it was i will admit i i i had kikuchi in my main i bought into those kind of two starts coming off of the il um with the improved control and obviously that fell apart so um kikuchi is obviously not roster worthy in the bullpen like that's not really like an arsenal that I think is going to play up well in the bullpen. It's not like a Matt Brash or something where you got elite stuff and you just need to harness it by going all out. Um, Ross Stripling's locked in, like you said, and he's been just fantastic. And Mitch White is the, I guess, quote unquote winner. I know we kind of hyped up Mitch White. We talk about him a lot just because he kind of goes in and out of the Toronto rotation. But lately, man, just not many strikeouts at all. Like it's been it's been kind of brutal. You're just kind of rostering him in hopes that Toronto's offense goes off in Mitch White last five innings because you're not getting much else there right now. Yeah. Real quick, one reason I love the podcast is I can clarify my tweets for people out there because that did stir up some fun that night. I tweeted always, that, but yeah, that's yeah. But but uh, the reason I said that is twofold. We already did the two the two step with Kikuchi when he had Oakland and someone else and he got shelled by Oakland out the gate. So that was lesson one. Lesson two is we keep harping on the fact that um not all two starts are created equally. Now, given given in a 15-team league, I get it's different. Like, you're really at the mercy of anybody with a pulse at this point of the season. But that was my point of my my, my tweet. I was just like, come on, we've done this roller coaster before. But I, I get both sides. I just, I just want to clarify that for, for a quick second there. Um, Eduardo Escobar, it's been a, a rough go. Rough go for Eduardo in New York. Now he goes to the IL. But 
one of many prospects that are getting called up these days. Brett Beatty gets called up. We saw him in the Fall League last year. Some mixed reactions on him, but 19 homers in AAA this year, hitting over 300. Looks like uh, he might get a little run here for a bit. Yeah, um, and that's the kind of prospect, again, to kind of take this back to first pitcher. So those are the types of prospects you see in these Fall League games. Uh, so you're going to see this you know, type of talent if you come out in November. Um, but yeah, so like Eduardo Escobar, really a rough season. Had him in TGFBI and um, just a, a good reason to cut him now. Brett Beatty. Brett Beatty's been hitting the car. I know we're in like two or three game sample mode. But homered on his first swing, which was really cool in the majors. And I think it was over like 110 miles an hour. And X velocity's there. He's averaging like 96 miles an hour off the bat through his first few games. And that's going to play up. So it's going to be interesting what Brett Beatty goes for. But, but in Fab this weekend, because I think he's locked in. I mean, the Mets are contending if Brett Beatty's hitting. Brett Beatty's going to play, and Escobar's out for quite a while. So you've got the playing time safety. You've got, in very small sample, the, the that max exit velo that a lot of folks like to cite when we just don't have much else. And you have the AAA performance that he put together. At HQ, Brett Beatty was our number 24. We did a midseason top 50 fantasy list about two weeks ago, and Brett Beatty was number 24 on that. He entered the season number 35. Uh, prospect on our HQ 100. So he's ascending and hitting the Mets at the right time. Nice. Yeah. Just it's one of those things where you get to keep the role. If he produces, he will. That's the way I look at it. So with like six kind of seven weeks left in the season, it's time to start taking some chances, folks. So this is a definitely a strong one to take one on. Aledemus Diaz goes to the IL for the Astros and it stinks because I picked him up over the last couple of weeks because it used to be the theory. Okay. He's platoon guy hits lefties well, but he's platoon short side of platoon. He's been playing every day and playing very well. That's why I was picking him up in pretty much all 12 team and deepers. And now he goes to the IL for a bit, and it kind of just makes him a drop again, which is a shame. So what do you got on Aledemus Diaz? Yeah, it's like the worst possible timing. I, I'll admit, I was a little bit lazy in my fab column with Diaz, just kind of writing, he snuck up on me. Like, he's just been so mediocre for so long and not really playing all the time but that changed recently like the last month Diaz was hitting 300 four homers uh with really good counting stats in Houston so that timing's rough it's like groin strain and it doesn't really sound like there's a timetable right now so that for me means a cut you've got like Chaz McCormick uh filling in and in, in center field he's been playing center the last couple nights had a huge day today or on, on Thursday everybody did Thursday night everybody yeah they had 21 <laughs> runs 21 runs for uh, Houston, including Bregman with the double dong in a bag, which yep, we'll double get dong to, in a bag that was impressive. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, um, anyone who plays regularly in Houston, that's that's a buying opportunity just because of the uh, lineup context. And your boy, Trey Boo Boo, Trey Mancini, I think is just it's just one less obstacle for him to be locked in at DH. So I really like that for Mancini's uh, playing time safety. 100% he went deep today, and it's just it's been a bummer because he's platooning. It's an embarrassment of riches for the Astros, obviously. And, you know, they could take their time with Diaz because they've almost probably locked up the AOS by now. So it's just kind of like uh, get get to the playoffs, get him back for a platoon roll, and see where it goes. So, yeah, is what it is on that one. Joey Votto, season's over, shoulder injury. They said he couldn't handle it anymore. It was time to have surgery. 
And that's a massive bummer because I'll let you get to your bullet point here. But I agree. I was with you on this roller coaster. Like, and this past week when I recapped Fab, like I dropped Votto everywhere, not knowing about this already. But I just I kept looking at his numbers, hitting like two twelve, and like the power was limited. And now it makes sense. He had a shoulder injury for crying out loud. And I guess the moral of the story is that's a lot of these guys. I know Ryan, you wrote an article a month or so ago about potential injuries. Like we don't know, we're speculating on injuries. And um, here's one right in the open for us, and just goes to show you, it's like. Sometimes you see the stats are bad and then you just got to pull the pin and go. I wish I would have done it sooner now, but again, I didn't know. So yeah, this one stings. A 61 point drop in batting average from last season for Joey Votto, 36 homers last year, 11 homers this year. I will admit I was completely wrong on Joey Votto. I bought into the fact that this was a calculated change. This being last year's performance, a calculated change to hit for more power, be a little bit more aggressive, and it worked like a charm. And Joey Votto is a Hall of Fame player. He's not just someone who kind of runs in the hot streaks and that sort of thing. When, when Joey Votto said he, he changed his approach, and we saw those in the skills last season, I bought in. It's, I don't know, not, it, this sounds bad. It's not nice to know that he's been playing hurt, and maybe that explains a lot of it. Like, maybe that makes me feel a little bit better. I don't know. But I still drafted him and held on to him for way too long. And that was kind of the issue with Votto, too, is you drafted him and he was in your lineup, at least for me, yeah, um, at least until day. like a couple of weeks ago in mixed labor, 15 teamer. He was in my lineup every single day. And mm-hmm. it was one of those guys where you think is a set and forget based on what he did last year. And, and Votto has, has been absolutely not that. So um, tough way to end the season for Votto. He'll be 39 next year. So let's see how this uh, how this twilight of his career uh pans out yeah he's still under contract next year and then he has a there's a club option for 2024 so we still might have two more years of auto i don't see him retiring obviously but you gotta see how the shoulder injury sometimes that zap, zaps power for at least a year to get things back and then for an older guy who knows how that's gonna zap the power so it's a bummer like you said he's a first like i want him to be the commissioner of baseball someday like the dude is amazing it's just an amazing person for baseball so we'll see how it goes but a big bummer there Walker Buehler season is over with an elbow surgery. Now this one's weird, Ryan, for a couple of reasons. He's been shut down for a while. Now he's having elbow surgery. Like this could have happened when he got shut down and they haven't been specific about the elbow surgery, but it like sounds like Tommy John, but they won't say what kind of surgery it is. So this, like, obviously we don't, well, we did draft, but you don't really have to draft soon. So that'll help to have some more info, but this is a very, very, weird situation because it fig- you figure if he's having elbow surgery they would have done it like a month ago or something like this is a weird one for me spot on like on all those points I- i'm very concerned about the vagueness that uh of the surgery it i don't think it's tommy john you don't i mean if it's tommy john it's tommy john there was some yeah. kind of speculation out there that it was just bone chips and bone chips is you know removal of bone chips is the the, le- the least invasive type of surgery but this sounds more severe than that but it's so nebulous that we don't really know and like you said bubba what what happened in these last couple months to now trigger this surgery mm-hmm. so uh just really concerning like and, and man walker bueller was late first round pick this year and that is the landmine to avoid um whenever you can and no one saw this coming like a lot of people were down on bueller as a first round pick maybe like a mid threes era guy but from a volume standpoint walker bueller 180 pit um, innings in 2019 2020 season kind of nuts 
2021, he had over 200 innings, and all of a sudden, like a lot of stuff's in jeopardy. So Bueller did not go in the first seven rounds for what it's worth of our uh, degenerate draft last night. Yeah, he was one of the uh, the many that did not go that we talked about for a while afterwards. But at least there's some good justification because we have no clue. Zero. Like he legit could miss all next season if we find out it's a certain surgery. Yeah. I doubt it. Like you said, if it's Tommy John, people would say Tommy John now. So they think they would have said it. But it's still just so weird uh, how they didn't really say much. But they have tons of options in L.A. So say, be, you probably you probably don't feel feel too bad for L.A. I, I think they'll be just fine. Uh, yeah, they'll be just fine. Here. Yeah, tons of options. They'll be just fine. He can carry his ring on his right hand if he has to. It'll be okay. <laughs> um, Mike Trout. This was weird, Ryan, because it was like I think two weeks ago maybe when he went down, and we were like, "This is so vague. There's like no timetable. This could be like a career life, like career threatening thing. We didn't know what was going on." And we were like, "Okay, let's wait before you drop him." Well, I hope you didn't drop him because he's supposed to come back on Friday. Still, it's such a weird thing that I. It, I sadly wouldn't be shocked if he hits like two at bats on Friday and they're like, he's down again. Like, I, I don't know what is going on, but he's supposed to be back Friday. And that's the good part. Yeah. Like I held on to try and actually, and it was funny. So like, yeah, with the vagueness of like career ending this, I was wondering like, is Mike Trout a drop? We might've even talked about that a few weeks ago when this mm-hmm. news kind of hit and hundred percent owned in TGFBI, hundred percent main hundred percent in 12 teamers. So nobody has dropped Mike Trout. I have Mike Trout in the main. I'm, I'm sure I'm thrilled to put him in for this weekend. I actually did that just before we started recording for the weekend, but dude, like it just sounds, I, I'm just so skeptical still. I, I'm so skeptical in terms of how quickly this news came out. Um, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Like if Trout's in the lineup, you're playing him. But I, I'm not like I, I'm excited to put him in, but I'm not gung ho about the rest yeah. of the season. Like it's, this just seems like something where he's going to reaggravate something, or you know, he's he's changed his whole routine around to accommodate this in recent weeks. And um, I don't know, it's just weird. It's it's weird news. Like for for as weird and down as the Bueller news was. This is just as weird, but up for Trout, I guess. But it could always turn this time next week on on next week's podcast. Yeah, no doubt about it. The A's have been uh, making some moves here. They're bringing up some young ball players, just DFA and some guys. It's kind of fun to watch. Jed Lowry earlier in the week. Elvis Andrus, a little more validity in like DC formats just because he's like your fourth shortstop. But um, he got released a couple days ago, at least maybe yesterday on Wednesday. And the White Sox already picked him up because, you know, they need a shortstop. So uh, any interest in him with Chicago? <laughs> no, I mean, he'll he'll Andrews will play, I guess. He'll, Better he'll, than Lurie Garcia. He'll, he'll supplant the combination, right, of Lurie Garcia and like Romy Gonzalez. He'll play. Not excited. He's not an ad. Like, yes, it's technically it's a park upgrade. It's a lineup upgrade, but it's uh, it's still Elvis Andrews. Just so he actually homered like the day he got released or the yep, day before exactly. he got Same released, day. which uh, yep. yeah, nice. I heard a, I saw a lot of very clever people use the same thing. Elvis has left the building, so that was that was a fun one for people there. Damn, um, bad. Car- Carlos Carrasco to the IL. Bummer. Anytime Carlos is hurt, is because of the story, the person he seems to be um, with an oblique injury, and the reports aren't great. Like they're kind of saying it's like there's really no timetable it's it's one of those kind of obliques where it's really fuzzy right now so he's going to the il might be a drop seriously in, in all, all things considered but um david peterson is supposed to pitch in the doubleheader on saturday 
He, so he's filling in that spot. And I loved Peterson in 15-team formats before he got taken out of the rotation. He made a pitch mix change, still walked a few too many guys, but the strikeouts went up in a big way. So with such limited options and starting pitching and deeper formats, I think he's very viable come this weekend. Yeah, Peterson's absolutely viable. Um, didn't pitch that well out of the bullpen, oddly, but I, I'm it, it was two appearances. Like you're looking at really small samples. So um, Peterson's very interesting to me. Another one who's interesting, and and Taiwan Walker is, is hurt as well. It sounds like he might make yeah. his next start, but like Trevor Williams also comes into play. Trevor Williams has not given up an earned run since June or July second. So he's pitched wow. really well in the bullpen of of moderate length so yes in 15 teamers i'm i'm looking at peterson and williams whoever kind of wins out on that spot 12 teamers probably probably neither of them but 15s yeah. it's just so brutal at the end of the uh at the end of the pitching pool that either of those guys are are, are fine ads and i think they'll both go long enough and pitch for a good team so that's all you can ask no for. doubt no doubt about it Brian Hayes to the IL, it's just a shame. Every year, it seems like with this guy, you're just hoping for it, and he just can't stay healthy. Goes to the IL, Rodolfo Castro probably takes the cake, but don't call him. He only has his thumb when he's on the field, so that's that's a problem. But, um, yeah, it's it's a bummer. There, there's not a whole lot to love with Pittsburgh. Brian Reynolds is heating up, but Hayes was a guy we were interested in, and now it's another kind of lost season with Brian. Lost season, the, the Pirates lineup just gets that much worse. I think it was, was it Eckersley? One of the visiting comments, I think it was Dennis Eckersley, just kind of went off on how bad Pittsburgh's lineup is and rightfully going off against ownership yeah. for not spending and, and all that. So that was interesting. Yeah, um, not interested in Rodolfo Castro. The cell phone thing was just bizarre. It's, yeah. it was, I mean, MLB investigated, like, did he use the phone during the Like, that's the big thing. Like, did he actually use the phone during the game? That's what I was wondering. Or, yeah. Um, you know, gain an advantage like Astros 2022 here, but I guess yeah. they found not, and he just he just has his they looked at the win loss record and his batting average, and like, yeah, no, he wasn't using anything. Yeah. We, we, yeah, yeah, so uh, no, should not be added on any team. Um, that's it, it just makes Pittsburgh like that much more juicy to uh, yeah. to stream against, even though I think they scored eight runs tonight against the Red Sox, but yeah, eight to two, Brubaker dominated seven shutout, it was beautiful. Eight beautiful because yep. the red Sox they struggle a lot these days it's pretty bad um ramon loreano to the il and brandon marsh so two outfielders going to the il is going to package them together loreano is showing some signs of life but still it was what it was brandon marsh was finally getting a chance in that when did you see actually did you see brandon marsh's injury i did not so he was going to like jump to the fence to catch a fly ball and when he came down he could saw like both his legs kind of buckle so he hurt his ankle on one and his knee on the other it was a rough one not good. Uh, similar deal to Pittsburgh. Like you're it, an easy lineup to stream against gets that much easier. Like you're right. Loriana wasn't great this year, but good Homer and stolen base production, but you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not looking in Oakland for, for anything at this point. Pretty much. Uh, Tyler Molly left his last start. Velocity was down. Shoulder was bugging him. They did an MRI. Everything was supposedly structurally looks good. Still don't know if he's going to make his next start. I'll throw a bullpen this week, but anytime you hear shoulder, it's never good in my mind. So I'm a, I'm very very concerned with Tyler Molly, who's made three starts since joining the Twins, and everyone was thinking he was the one of the biggest winners of the trade deadline outside like Luis Castillo and company. Yeah, and like one of the things I always think about with guys who have a recent medical injury and gets you know recent medical pass, and then they get traded. I'm like, well, theoretically, like the Twins did their due diligence and checked out Molly and 
you know, like what they saw doesn't look to be the case. And so even if Molly, like, yeah, this the injury doesn't, at least the twins are spinning it so that it's not like he, you know, yeah, like you said, he might make his next start even, but um, I'm talking this away for 2023. Like I'm really concerned about uh, just shoulders in general, but anyone who kind of has recurring shoulder things throughout the season, we have, I think a listener question related to someone else with a shoulder injury later on. That just scares me, um, not only for this year, but for next year as well. So um, never been a huge Tyler Malley guy. Leaving Cincinnati was was great, but not if the shoulder is not right. Yep, 100% with you on that one. And there's some quick hitters here because I kind of mentioned it earlier with Beatty. Um, you know, last week, Von Grissom got called up and everyone's like, oh, this is like the last big prospect to make a splash this season. <laughs> and then it's like literally by Wednesday, we've got Brett Beatty's up. We already talked about him. Shea Langoliers gets called up by the A's and all these moves they've been making. Shea Langoliers has been crushing it in the minor. He's a, he's a catcher. He's been DHing pretty much every day, hitting seventh. He had a, a double and a run scored today. He's already got a home run uh, throughout the minors this year. He had 19 home runs, he even stole five bases while hitting 283. So, you know, in a world where catchers are catchers, this seems like a fun pickup this week. Two catcher leagues, anyone with a pulse and playing, I say it all the time, is, is worth it. So Langoliers uh, has the has the prospect pedigree. We we liked him as a as a prospect. We've got him as he made he cracked our top 100 um, entering the season, and so for a catcher, that's fantastic. I I am adding that to our our baseball podcast bingo card of this is the last chance for this a prospect yeah. or this villain i i'm guilty of it i say it all the time like when vinnie p came up oh this is the yeah. last chance you'll get to there's always someone else yeah it's crazy uh estevan florial big time prospect in the yankee system like he was one of the guys rumored like hey if they make a big trade estevan florial's got to be in it and they were all they got to keep him, so on and so forth dude had 14 homers and 32 steals in the minors this year hitting 286 they need some serious help because Aaron Hicks ain't cutting it. Obviously, they traded Joey Gallo, who's revived his life in L.A. Um, Florial still has not had a hit yet in a short time in the bigs, but does that kind of somewhat power and speed combo interest you this weekend? Uh, for like very, very short term, maybe with these prospects, I look and this is like the big difference between him and Langleers, who I think is going to play and Beatty, who's going to play like I, I just uh, that. Yankee outfield is going to be very crowded once like Bader comes back, once Stanton comes back. So I, I just worry about the playing time on a team that is struggling, but is, you know, has postseason aspirations and that sort of thing. And we'll probably still win the division. So um, I just don't think the playing time is going to be there right now for Florial. Um, yeah. Like the stolen base upside. I, I get why you would make the bid, but I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't go crazy at all here. And the last one I'm going to talk about, because I didn't even notice he got called up when it took place, because, I'm again, I'm not a prospect guy to begin with, but I playing DFS, you start seeing this name pop up, and you're like, huh, who's this $2,000 guy that keeps producing over and over again? Kerry Carpenter got called up by the, the Tigers, and usually you know we're hearing about Torkelson and Riley Green, and, again, not a prospect guy, so I don't really hear about Carpenter, but he's, got, he's hitting 300 with two home runs already in a short sample, 32% K rate, but 16% walk rate, so... A little good and a little bad. But in the minors this year, 30 home runs to go with three steals, hitting 313. And I, I heard some prospect guys, James Anderson's of the world, the Welsh, um, they said the power is legit. Like, this is legit power from this guy. So, you know, he could be one. If we talk about all these prospects that people will bid on this week, he might fly out a little more under the radar, if that makes sense. So this could be a fun one because they have no reason not to play him in Detroit. And that's exactly like we talk a lot about you know, players on bad teams. Like you get that playing time. And that is interesting. Like you said, with Anderson and the Welsh believing in the power, 
that's great because at two levels this year, double A AA and triple A, Carpenter hit over 300, cut the K rate down in half from double A to triple A. So, like the plate skills, in addition to that plus power, the plate skills are improving as he goes up levels. And, like you said, Bubba is probably going to play for Detroit as they play out the strings. So, um, sneaky, sneaky. Yeah. And, and Carpen- Carpenters can. Carpenters can hit. I don't know if there's any relation to Matt, but uh, yeah. maybe this is him reincarnated and uh, surprising people. That could be fun. I did have one more bit of news that I forgot to put on the outline, but um, Lou Bob, Louis Robert, got a cortisone shot in his wrist because it's been bugging him and he has not felt good. They still won't put him on the IL, though. So, Ryan, it's hard to drop Lou Bob, but what are you doing with him? Because it's just a constant like fallback. Um, I'm holding him for now, but it's getting to that point of the year. It's like... I can't keep holding dead weight type thing. I have him in TGFBI. I'm just holding and benching. That's until, until he, and even if like, it would have to be like a Monday or a Friday where he's in the lineup for me to put uh, Robert back in just because, yeah, yeah, it's just been a, it's been a disaster of a season. Did get drafted in the second round of, uh, of, of of last night's draft by someone I might know, but that's for next year. Yeah, that's a some guy. I don't know what he was thinking, but uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. Um, all right, let's get to our weekly matchup game. And surprise, surprise, we tied again this week. So it's six to six on the year. But unlike usual, you won the hitting, I won the pitching. So I'll let you have the floor if you want to recap last week for us. Yeah, we're we're tied, and this is starting to get. So we've got like maybe uh, we, five and or we six put stake we, and we put a stake on this. We, we, we have, decided. We a, yes, so we. I mean, we mentioned golf at the top at first pitch. Whoever wins um, this game between us uh, gets a free round of golf on on the other. So this is starting to get a little. I don't know. I, I bent the rules a little bit this week with my yeah. You pick. did. I hope you're not too pissed, man. I'm glad if I lose, um, it's not by the difference of the number. It's just overall. It's it's starting to get a little, I don't know, a little divide in the room here. But last week both of our hitters mashed. It was it was yeah. great. I mean you you took Emmanuel Rivera, who I think hit two homers. And he didn't even play Friday. And did not play Friday. So it was not looking good for you Friday night, yes. uh, but hit two homers, but still lost to, to Lamont Wade, who, <laughs> who, who crushed. So um, I, I took the hitter side 10 to eight. And for listeners out there, we're just adding up runs, ribbies and, and hits. And so whoever gets the most of those on the hitting side gets the win. So I won 10 to eight, but a strong showing by, by both of us. If, if I do say so myself, Pitcher side, you you sniped me with Dane Dunning, who got five strikeouts. I went back to the Ian Anderson well, who got four strikeouts. Um, pitching was really rough last wow. week, a little bit better this week, but um, you took the cake on 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 strikeouts. So we are tied six to six in match play, uh, like hitters and pitchers combined, as we uh, go down the stretch here. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a wild one. It's a very very wild one, and um, like you said, we got a few more weeks to go here. This week, uh, we have a weekend of Coors between the Giants and the Rockies. We have four games between the Phillies and the Mets, but as our normal thing, it's 50% or less in 12-team NFPC OCs, and there really weren't any Phillies or Mets available in less than 50%, at least that were worth rostering. So that was part of uh, a conundrum as well. But when you look at the uh, the HQ weekly weekend uh, action here, some of your best matchups, you got San Diego versus Washington. You got the Giants versus Colorado, of course. Um but yeah, San Diego, Washington, San Diego has the best matchup on paper this week. And it's funny, like the Giants have the second best, but you look at Colorado 
and um, they have one of the worst, well, not the worst, but like a red one, and they're still in Coors Fields. That says a lot right there. Yeah, that says a lot about their own their mm-hmm. own lineup. So um, I like I like the so you I, I I liked your angle on taking Colorado. So I'll kind of I'll steal your thunder a little bit. You took Longoria, right? So that's yep. That that makes sense to me. Um, yeah, I, oh, real quick, I, I took Longo. Oh, I was between him and Lamont Wade, but it's two righties oh. and a lefty. It's two righties and a lefty, and Longo will face righties and lefties where Wade might sit where it's a lefty. And I lost by two last week without playing one game, so I'm not doing that again out the gate. Yeah, I thought about going with one of the four game series, but there just wasn't. It's it. it that, no. I think it was like you said, Phillies Mets, and it was yeah. just yeah. It was there, platoon it, guys. It was yeah, platoon it was platoon guys because. Their good hitters were not fifty percent rostered or less. So I, I just went, I went with Kyle Farmer, Cincinnati Goat. They're, they're not at home, but they get three against Pittsburgh. And whenever you do anything against Pittsburgh, it's worth looking at. So it's Bryce Wilson, Tyler Beatty, Zach Thompson. Nothing special. Kyle Farmer's playing every day and hitting. Okay, he's hitting two ninety three over the last month with with really good contact. The power hasn't been there lately, but not too worried about it. Um, just just kind of banking on regular playing time, running a few hits and and runs in RBI. So Kyle Farmer for me. I like that one. If you're on the pitching side of things, uh, some of the best pitching matchups for the week, Padres versus the Nationals. Uh, you got the Dodgers Marlins, the Braves versus the Astros. That says a lot about the Braves uh, pitching staff this week and even Tampa Bay versus Kansas City. So there's some really good pitching matchups, a lot more than when it comes to the hitting side of things. So uh, what are you looking at this weekend on the mound? I, this is where I, this is where I bent the rules. So uh, Dustin <laughs> May, it was legal. It's legal. But Dustin wow. May is one percent <laughs> rostered in in twelve teamers. Uh, so somewhere, somehow, Dustin May was picked in a twelve team. Uh, he was drafted. Draft yeah, season. yeah. So um, he's gonna. I mean, Dustin May will be eligible in NFBC this weekend. And I know I just kind of said put this on the bingo card, but. I can say with with pretty good confidence, Dustin May will be the best pitcher available on Fab the rest of the season. If I'm wrong on that, I'm wrong. But like that's somebody. If you need pitching, you are opening up the wallet for, in my opinion, just just the way. And we've talked about this a little bit on the pod. The way that LA has treated Dustin May and his rehab outings, the length of those rehab outings, I, I think he's going to get length and, and go long enough to get wins five, six innings for an LA team. Um, that just seems to be doing everything right. So um, Dustin May is my pick. I didn't even look at who they're playing um, until after I picked them, but they're playing the Marlins, it's, which just makes one it of the best matchups that much more juicy. So um, yeah. I'm feeling good about my Dustin May pick a little dirty. I feel a little dirty. I might have to shower before I, before I uh, do it, but I, I, I'm feeling good about it. I'm just going to let you guys behind the curtain of the podcast for a minute here. Um, Ryan usually picks first each week and says, okay, he either picks pitcher or hitter. And I was actually not as lazy today, so it wasn't a pick yet. So I texted Ryan. I said, hey, Ryan, do you want pitcher or hitter first? He goes, I'll take pitcher. So he tells me he takes his pitcher pick, and I go and open it up, and I see who it is. I'm like, you dirty, dirty dog. <laughs> it was legal, though. It was legal, completely legal. But I was just like, oh, okay. I, see, I, I see. there was process behind it. I took, <laughs> I took a hitter first last week. So I know, I know. I'm joking. So, it was uh, just, it was just funny. I was like, I, I wouldn't even have, I, I would have forgot about me. So you deserve it. It's all good. But um, yeah, I want Aaron Savali. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm going to laugh so hard if you lose this one. Um, I took Aaron Savali. Picked up 10 Ks in his last start. His second start since coming off the IL. You know, he's usually good for about a K and inning, 
like 10 Ks is through the roof. But uh, Kane Indians gets the White Sox, a struggling White Sox team. Um, there's actually, a compared to last week, a handful of options that were actually at least available on the wire. I wrote them down. So, uh, Savelli, Savelli, Ashcraft, Caprillion, Peterson, Glenn Otto, not really in love with many of them. So I went with uh, Savali hoping he can uh, give me at least a K in inning and hopefully he throws like seven innings because then uh, May will throw five and I cross my fingers and I win. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> but, I've, we'll I've got a confession, Savali-related confession to make. I fabbed Savali in TGFBI Sunday night. Did not put him in my lineup until it was too late on Monday. So I, I so fabbed him game. and he's on my yeah. bench. He had like the Monday morning game and yep. I just, yep. I, I don't know. I was at work and just i didn't even realize they were playing in the morning so like that's on me maybe i need to do my lineups sunday nights but like that that killed me when i saw he was already pitching days. and was on my bench and then of all people aaron savalia 10 strikeouts like that that got me on monday i will admit well let's hope you get got twice so that i can beat you <laughs> versus dustin <laughs> I'm, it's tgfbi at least free league it's not like i'm saying for your main so at least at least it's tgfbi Man. all right and I, I do want to shout out you followers that like tweet us updates on our guys. I think it's actually pretty cool because like it we is. just do it for fun. Awesome. We do it for fun just to kind of give you guys an, an idea if you want to pick size up for the weekend. And it's hilarious. Like I'll be out doing something. I get a tweet about someone hitting home run and then Ryan's guy gets a home. So it's pretty cool. So I appreciate you guys having fun with it like we are. It's, yeah. uh, it's a pretty cool deal. All right. Degeneracy time. Let me pull up. Let me see if I can do this like I did earlier. Let's share the screen. Well, I'll first we'll set the table. Um, Last night, on August 17th, 2022, Ryan, myself, and 13 other very talented, probably more talented than me, yes, more talented than me, fantasy baseball players, decided it was a good idea, thanks to our buddy Rob DiPietro, the Deadpool hitter, to start a 15-team NFBC Draft Champions League that will count towards the overall, so it is real, real money involved here for the 2023 season. We did seven rounds. We did it on Zoom. Go listen to the Deadpool Hitter podcast. It is on there. Really good stuff. I know James Anderson already wrote an article kind of recapping his thoughts on it. Um, there'll be more content. I, I might even write something about it, too, so I can go kind of deeper in my my analysis. We'll see what we'll see how big of a fool I make about when I relive my picks here in a minute. But um, it was a blast. Literally, um, I we both thought it would take forever. I won't steal all your thoughts, but um, it went quick. I was actually like, I want to stop because it's like, let's just call it good because I'm not as prepared, but we probably could have picked for another couple hours. It was a lot of fun. The juices were flowing again. Draft season is the best time of the year for a reason. I thought we were idiots. We are, but it was awesome. So what were your thoughts before we kind of get down to breaking it down? Just that it was so fun to be dra like uh, drafting's drafting's great, but just the live Zoom part of it, just hanging out and and kind of shooting the shit with with thirteen other people like from different time zones, and it, I mean it was just it was it was a really fun time. Like it it was like a very quick two hours that was just mm-hmm. uh, you know kind of chop busting chops over picks and and bubba you were saying like oh crap after every single pick and and then when you didn't it was like man oh, that wasn't a good pick but it was just <laughs> just those kind of like being in the draft room again um even though like and we'll talk about prep and picks and that sort of thing like the the, the prep could have been a little bit better on my part but me too um you're drafting blind and that that's kind of the fun of it too but we are playing this out so like you said rob di pietro set it up 
believe it's a one fifty dollar buy in. Better be. So yeah, at least <laughs> I, and I hope it's not like he comes out like four, you know. Yeah, the forty, the four hundred. Yeah, call them. yeah, yeah, four hundred and 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 that sort of thing. But yeah, so we're gonna do the other forty three rounds at some other point. But in November, yeah. Um, just really fun to be able to kind of do this and and just talk talk baseball for a night and kind of forget about other stuff. That's I mean honestly that's why we do this yep. uh, to kind of hang out with other people and 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 draft with them and compete. So it was it was a great yeah. time. Yeah, I'll, I'll shamelessly say it. Like at first I was like, okay, I'll do it because a I like hanging out with the with the people that were in there and b I'm like, it's August and this will give us content because it's tough to get content. That's so all. I was just thinking, okay, I'll do it. It'll help me get ready for 2023. Get my mind right. I had such a good time. I was like, I, I'm so glad I did it because um it, it was awesome the picture you put in the the dm this morning of like the zoom picture with all of us it was like that was so much fun like just looking at that picture it was like everyone in there is it was a, it was a cool deal so looking forward to doing it it's one of those that i feel like we might i, I kind of want to do that more often with, with like we don't have to do like full drafts but like get whoever's in our, our leagues like let's do a, an online one for a little bit that was so that was a lot of fun so it was a yeah. good deal yep. all right the process the setup let me actually share the screen now um Make sure I hit the right buttons so you don't see everything I got going on. Um, where are you? Oh, don't do it. Uh, there we go. Now I got it. Yahtzee. All right. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Um, That is the draft board. If you're on YouTube, you can zoom in or whatever. It's the best we could do. It's got everything. Shout out to Ryan Roof, who actually color-coded everything like a maniac. That was awesome to see as well. With future free agent designation. Like that's that's some next level stuff. And stuff, honestly, that I I I didn't realize a few of these guys were free agents Uh next year. (laughs) It's like yeah, it was another eye-opening experience about how underprepared I was for this draft. But um, we'll, we'll start off with this. Uh, how did you prepare? Because I laughed and I expected it because there's like the Weimers of the world, the Slacks, a lot of really smart people that always have their SGPs and all these things. And some of them actually made SGPs based on the 2022 season. I'm like, you guys are maniacs. So uh, how did you go about this? So I'm part maniac, I guess. So I still had my 2022 preseason draft sheet. I I have it in Google. So it's funny how like that thing lives on my computer. It's up on my screen constantly from like November to March. And you never see it again until the following draft season. So I fired that thing back up. And what I did was I just put and we were talking about this, you know, as a as a group after the draft last night. And Jenny Butler, who who was in the draft, who picked uh, ninth did something very similar. So what I did is I just took the average of year to date production with a preseason projection 
and averaged those out, threw those in my SGP sheet from draft season, and it gave me some numbers. So I felt like that was at least some approximate. I had like two, three hours to prep. So that that's what I did. Uh, me being kind of the numbers guy, the database guy, that was my approach. And I, I thought it was it was pretty good. Like Aaron Judge came out so far ahead just because his, I mean, this season's just so ridiculous. So um, I didn't just draft straight based off of that, but I thought it was a pretty good way to kind of take into account this season, but also not go too much into the recency bias and take that preseason projection, which is more of like a kind of baseline level skill uh, before 2022. So that's what I did. How did, uh, how did you, I, I'm guessing you didn't go all the way into, into, into SGP and, and do all that. No, no, this numbers aren't my game. It's one thing I've always wanted to do. Not my forte. That's why I love doing this show with you because you can put the board together and I can read a board and we can have some fun with it, but uh, I yep. can't do that. Um, so what I did is it was in reality, it's, kind of close to what you guys did yours is much more accurate and more in depth but i went to the rasball player rater and i printed out like the top 200 on the player rater so i could see who was playing well obviously compared to others but then i also printed out the march main event adp so i had a rough idea of like these guys went here maybe they underperformed but like, don't forget about these guys type thing so i was kind of so that's why if, if you uh, if we can't watch it we got to see the zoom I'm literally shuffling, like literally the caveman in me. I'm shuffling through papers the entire you had time. Some papers like, going, man. <laughs> so that, so that's why I would say "damn" all the time because literally, I'd see a name and I'd go to fan graphs, look at their profile. The second I would look at the profile, that guy'd get taken. I'm like, well, there goes that one. I just keep going through the list. So I had like like a chicken scratch all over my papers and like crossing people out, putting stars by them and stuff. And that's what I was doing. It was the caveman in me. The joke I always make it happen that night. But it was my way of looking at the current season, but also remembering the, the going into the season to kind of get a crossover and uh, not forget, like, you know, Jazz Chisholm got taken. If you weren't looking, if you were just looking at the, the player writer, you would never see Jazz Chisholm. Or there's a bunch of guys like that, we could say. So um, it kind of brings it all together. So it was a, a caveman way of trying to do something like you did. But uh, we'll see. Like I, In the end, when I look at my first seven rounds, it's a lot of similar things I do at draft season. And... Maybe I need to. I, there is. Well, I'll tell you when I'm done. I have. I have a thought already that I need to already adjust for 2023 just by doing this first seven rounds. Cool. But um, all right, I got some bullet points that Ryan put down, so I will tee them up for him, and then we can have some fun with it here because um, it was fun. And this, if you're watching it on YouTube or if you want to listen and then watch back, or it's tweeted out everywhere. Uh, Rob tweeted it out and stuff. The first seven rounds, you can see the yellow brick road that took place in the middle of round two, but overall. 11 teams had at least one starting pitcher through uh, the first two rounds. And only one, that would be uh, Steve Weimer, went pocket aces. Technically pocket aces, I guess, because Shohei yeah. Otani doesn't have to be. So it wasn't like a, a popular main event strategy, but at least everybody got an ace in the first two rounds. Actually, no, DiPietro took a reliever. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, what's your thoughts on this uh, starting pitcher strategy? Or, and I guess more importantly... Uh, Dylan C, Sandy Alcantara went three, four, McClanahan went five, Scherzer went six, DeGrom went seven. So an interesting way to kind of look at starting pitching. Yeah. And I think like, and I, I kind of made this remark during the thing and, and definitely uh, Bubba, like you mentioned, um, listen to, listen to the pull hitter podcast. If you're interested in kind of the, the, the in draft banter, there was a lot of just busting each other down, but there was also at least some useful analysis throughout but I made the point that this kind of felt like kind of a classic NFBC style draft where most people got their aces in the first two rounds. It, it looks like there's a clear kind of top 
three starting pitchers were like it was Garrett Cole, who you took fifth overall. We'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corbin Burns and then like Cease Alcantara and, and McClanahan. Those are kind of your top guys. I think that are going to be either in the first round or kind of late that that late wheel. And then it was and I was part of this in the second round. Everyone scrambling is not the right word, but everyone kind of going and getting getting their ace. So I after you mentioned the the first five or six guys, uh, pitchers, Bubba, that got taken after DeGrom uh, was taken in the second round, I took Aaron Nola and I I, I picked sixth. You, t- you picked fifth. So we were right next to each other, which was another kind of dynamic throughout but yep. i took Aaron Nola right before brandon woodruff zach wheeler and and julio urias in the second round so i felt like the starting pitcher quote unquote ace tier is pretty was pretty deep in this yep. draft where if you wanted to get if you wanted to build around a starting pitcher early you had plenty of options pretty much no matter where you pick from um, because again, Jason Dupont took Urias in the at the late uh, two three wheel, and I think thought that was a fine pick. So um, kind of a kind of a classic spread of what you would normally see starting pitcher wise early in the draft. Yeah, it was one of those that um, looking back on. And again, I'm trying not to go through my picks because we'll kind of go through our teams in a minute. But I'm already I was already mad right out the gate that I let you have the guy at six that I probably should have taken at five. I and was then, I was thanking you, man. Yeah, that like, was awesome. I, like I, I literally, I just got like because I wanted J Rod, and he yeah. went. I figured at least J Ram or J Rod wanted the two because usually pitching goes so early, and no one was taking him. I'm like, what in the world just happened here? Um, so I went cold, but we'll get to that in a minute. But then the beauty of this is just looking at the board and analyzing it. I really kick myself now because I could have been totally fine settling for Nola Woodruff Wheeler over that like cole's great don't get me wrong he's awesome but i had zero problems settling compared to the compared to taking lubob i could have had acuna and woodruff instead of like so looking at that combo it's just like but where i was going to go with this and obviously this is past the first two rounds pitching super deep and like i I talked about it we talked about this last season and obviously things can change but you just look at these pitchers and Kenyon with pick four i thought did a really good job he got a good power speed base with j-rod riley and lindor and then he went four pitchers, Musgrove, Manoa, Webb. We know what they are. We know who they are. Some young arms could take a step. Then took a gamble on Tyler Glass now, which could pay off if he comes back healthy. So he could have four legit one or twos, like ace potential pitchers there with a good hitting base. Obviously, he's got some hitting work to do, but there's ways to do it if you don't take pitching early is what I'm trying to say already. Yep. And obviously, things can change. The other thing I want to ask you, and it's going to be a fun offseason discussion because you said there's kind of a clear top three I think there's going to be so much movement, especially obviously if DeGrom keeps pitching like he is pitching, it finishes out the season, that's going to move up. But you can make arguments like Sandy Alcantara went fourth. You you can easily be in a draft where he goes like ninth. Like they're like these, at least in for terms me, of like starting, in terms starting, of starting pitchers. pitchers. Yeah. 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 Like there's so much fluidity, I think, throughout the like top maybe 12 of them, 10, 12 of them, that it's really interesting. And again, that could be to the point you can wait potentially. In in pretty much every round, there was a starting pitcher available that I, that I liked. And yeah, so, to your 100%. point, Bubba, like uh, starting pitching felt really deep. And we'll talk about probably at the end, guys, pitchers who didn't even get drafted in these first seven rounds. There's a whole host of other arms that um, could have gone in this top 100. Um, mm-hmm. James Anderson built a Crushed team that it. I really like. Crushed he waited it. until the fourth round 
to take Luis Castillo, who I, I would be fine. I know I'm a sucker for Luis Castillo. Like he burned me last year, mm-hmm. but Luis Castillo in Seattle um, out of Cincinnati as a fourth round pick, like Beautiful. I, I thought that was fantastic. And there were just names like that. Joe Musgrove later in the fourth mm-hmm. round, I would be fine with starting uh, building a rotation around. So yeah, that was a great point where starting pitching, it does look like, is going to be pretty deep in pretty much any round. We'll see, like, if we went 12, 13 rounds, what does that starting pitcher pool start to look like? But in these first seven rounds last night, plus kind of a a plethora of arms that did not get drafted, I felt um, fine taking pitchers in pretty much any round. 100% with you on that one. Speaking of pitchers, flip side, closers. We know, like, last year – in early DCs, closers went super early, and the justification was, well, you can't make waiver moves, so you got to like hit on the couple of guys and get some flyers and see how it goes. Well, uh, with even the validity or the volatility of closers this year, they still went like wildfire in this draft. Yep. Through seven rounds, uh, there was well, there was ten closers before the pick seventy-five. The first closer went off the board at uh, two point seven. To Rob DiPietro, the trumpets began. Edwin Diaz going off the board. Went before Jacob DeGrom, Aaron Nola, Woodruff, and company. So put that one in your pipe was what DiPietro would basically tell you. Uh, Get a bunch of meatballs. I'm just imagining what he would say. But uh, Edwin Diaz goes. (laughs) But yeah, tons of closers went off the board. And it was one of those that I wouldn't say you were forced to take a closer, but I think you'd be feeling pretty uncomfortable if you don't have at least one closer right about now. I was feeling the pressure. I was feeling the pressure. And that was one of the things I had no idea how this room would handle closers just because it is so insanely early. Although, Bubba, you made the point in the chat. It's not really that because if if, how much is going to change from now to November in terms of like free agent signings and bullpens and that sort of thing, non-injury related, like obviously any of these guys could get hurt over the last month. Things you can't foresee, basically. Right. But like from a roster standpoint, I don't know how much is going to change for the kind of from this crazy degenerate draft to just normal degenerates that draft in November. Um, I was just really curious to see how the closers would, would, would go. And I felt the heat. So I took, um, and, and it, it's kind of funny. We can dive into this. Like our closers are, I think are totally different in terms of profile. Uh-huh. I took Ryan Presley in the fourth, fourth round. round, which is probably around too soon given in the fifth round a bunch of closers went you took Devin Williams you it was actually that was actually the closer after Presley so we went Presley Williams back to back I'll speak for my pick for me Brian Presley's just like safe as hell like I I can't see and and I double checked like what his contract is because I don't know if he's on Houston next year but he is on Houston next they gave him an extension yep yeah that's right um, but I just think that's like, that's super safe on a good team and he's good. Yeah. So like, that was good enough for me. Whereas your Devin Williams pick, I mean, Devin Williams could be the top closer next year, but, yeah. um, I, I feel like that wasn't as safe, which doesn't mean it's a worse yeah, pick no. for sure. But I, I was honestly surprised. Cause like, I love, and this is where I might've, I guess, screwed up a little bit. I didn't see a world where he wasn't the Brewers closer, but the room we were in, a lot of people saw a world where he wasn't. Because when I made that pick, it was an interesting reaction that took place there. It was. Um, and the thing I'll say, at least in this regard, and it, it can still burn me, obviously, because you need saves to win the overall. Maybe that's got to be a little more aggressive. We'll see. But he legit is one of the best relievers in all of baseball, period. So 
in a draft champions format. And again, I'm going to need saves, but just to kind of justify taking the gamble here, if he is the closer, he could be like one of the top closers in all of baseball. No, no questions asked. Um, secondly, even if he's not the closer, we saw even with Hader there, he was getting a boatload of wins. He still got a handful of saves, ratios, strikeouts. Like in a draft champions format where injuries are a mess, when you take gambles on late pitchers and you realize they really suck, why did I have them? I can plug Devin Williams in pretty much every week, even if he's not getting saves, and he will help me in potentially three to four categories each week. Does that mean taking him in round five? Maybe not. Yeah. That's that's the gamble. That's the, that's gamble, the gamble that was taken there. Um, but it's like Ryan Helsley went two picks later. Ryan Helsley's great. We also know how the Cardinals handle the relievers every year. It seems like it's, and Helsley should be the guy. I'm not saying he shouldn't be, but then again, go ask Paul Sporer when we were in first pitch Arizona and he took Giovanni Gallegos in like the fourth round and I was razzing him from across the room. And where's Giovanni now? That's just, a, that was just one situation and I love to give Sporer crap for it. So that's why I mention it. But, you know, Felix Bautista went a couple later. Felix is awesome. It's still the Orioles. Like, what are we doing he's here? He's been a closer for two weeks. Yeah. So, so that that was my my train of thought there. Like, yep. then, it went, then it went like David Bednar. So, like, if you look at that kind of realm of closers outside of maybe Ryan Helsley, if you wanted to, the next, like, four or five closers that went off the board, I'm going to argue Devin Williams was better than pretty much all of them. But he they might have a job and he might not. That's the caveat, I guess. Yep. And and so yeah, to kind of recap like the closers, and then that that was a great point. So it, it was Edwin Diaz in the second, then Class A, Jordan Romano, Liam Hendricks went in the first pick of the fourth round, Josh Hader mid fourth round, then my Presley mid fourth round, and then uh, Bubba, like you said, in the fifth, it was Devin Williams, Helsley, Felix Bautista, Kenley Jansen. So, um. It sure seems like, and again, there's some risk in taking one draft and kind of extrapolating that to yeah. an ADP trend. That, that that much is obvious, but I think these kind of closers with the role, with the skill, we're, I don't think they're going to be any discount from what we saw um, with record high prices in draft season heading into 2022. I think that's going to be the same kind of deal um, next season. And you made a great point. Like we can't really use this small sample. It's August ADP. You don't really make a trend here. The one caveat I will say, because I agree with you, this is a sharp, sharp room. So I don't see this guy. I wouldn't be surprised if this is close to what we'll get early on. Now mm -hmm. it might change come That's like true. February and March, but November drafts, I could see this being close. That's the, the fun part. That'll be interesting looking back at. Yeah. All right. Uh, surprises. We already mentioned Tatis earlier. He went to Waxman in uh, the fourth round. That could be a, a boon or a bang. We'll see how that goes. But then he went, uh, he doubled down in round five. He took Mike Trout, who's coming back, but still, as we've mentioned many times on this show since the back injury, sketchy, concerning. Like, what's if you look at Mike Trout's fangrass page, it's a season to season thing where he does not play a lot of baseball games. So it's tough, Ryan. What's your thoughts on that one? So the, the point was made in the draft that uh, Brian Slack took. Uh, four picks before Mike Trout to Corbin Carroll. So Corbin Carroll went ahead of Mike Trout. I, I Trout will, I, well, we'll see what the injury is, that sort of thing. Trout will not be a late fifth rounder no. if he's healthy in the spring. I think that was one where the room, this is one of the things of just drafting blind the room. I, I think he just kind of slipped um, and that happens in, in a single draft. So um it was an interesting play by Waxman to bite the bullet and do it. John Fish 
was mm-hmm. at 15 on the wheel and fish was was all ready to take mike trout so trout would not have gone any further than that um it's just an interesting interesting roster with waxman with tatis and trout like that's um that's exciting or that's depressing one of the two probably not much room in between but that was one who definitely stuck out as a surprise is probably like the one who i thought was going to be very um who just slipped well past where he should is was trout the other one where the the room kind of mm-hmm. gasped was weimer took in the third round took Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette yeah. fell out of the first two rounds and it was funny like both me and you again drafting five and six so this was like three picks before us we we had it all queued up to go bobachette in the third round i i think bobachette's still a second rounder despite yep. the uh the down quote unquote down season i'm like i i thought that was a great pick by by weimer to snag bachette early third round yeah i had bachette and lindor queued up and they went two three picks and the pick before me so i was like oh sweet good times good room guys um, so yeah, that was a uh, Bichette was a heck of a steal there. He won't be there, and I don't think in uh, later drafts. So enjoy that. But then again, you can make arguments that everyone that went before him deserves to be there. So it is. It'll be interesting that the pool is deep. The pool is very deep this year. Early on, uh, the other, I guess, surprise to some, but if you really dig into it, not so much. I just wanted to bring it up. Uh, in round four, Ryan Roof took Michael Harris. In round yeah. four, I wanted to bring that up because he is beasting. There's no reason why he shouldn't be with the team on like he's gonna continue being a starter for the Braves next year I just don't think people realize maybe how good he's been but a full season of what he's doing right now round four could potentially be a value like if he does that so that's pretty crazy too yeah and I'll admit like I don't have any Michael Harris on any of my teams this season like he is he was totally off my radar he wasn't even on my list um and again that's on me the room really liked that pick in the early fourth round of Michael Harris. It sounds like Harris, assuming this kind of continues through the end of the season, especially with like Dansby Swanson as a pending free agent, Harris might move up in the order a little bit. It sounds like Harris could be, I hate to say the words like this year, Cedric Mullins. It could be that type of rise for yeah. Michael Harris, just given the kind of stolen bases and that sort of thing. So um, someone who I, I need to dive in a little bit deeper or a lot deeper this off season, just because it's someone who came out of the blue and I don't have any of my team. So I just have not been following him during the season. Um, yeah, he, those kinds of guys kind of fell uh, for me, just guys who, who just popped up and I are not on my radar yet until we kind of look at the player pool from a fresh standpoint this off season. No doubt about it. Some surprising players who weren't drafted. Adelise Garcia, that was a big topic of conversation yeah. after the, in the yeah. group. I had him on my radar for like two rounds. I just kept passing, passing. And I'm like, oh. So I can't wait to see if he goes quickly or not in the next uh, round once we start back up. Chris Sale, who, again, if healthy, big if, could be a steal at this point in the draft. Um, Giolito's just been a, a mess of uh, maybe a new year at this price point. Who knows? Uh, Gonsolin, who's been elite, but is it really for real? Can you do it two years in a row? Like, there's a lot of questions. That's probably why some of these guys are there. But and there's probably many more, many more if we were to dig in. But uh, one one thinking? name I didn't put on was, but I brought up was Nestor Cortez, and everyone was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, I would have, I would have taken him too." So, uh, to what we were speaking about before, with starting pitchers, like it, it seems very deep, and we just rattled off four or five names. I'm sure we, I'm sure we forgot more. Uh, but even in the seventh round, the starting pitchers that went was were Tyler Glass, now who you mentioned it. To Kenyon, you took Blake Snell, and I, I I made the quip. It's not second half only league, man, yeah. but but I, I actually like I like Blake Snell. He he has punched my main event ticket for next there season already, so I like that. But Christian Javier, Nick Lodolo, Zach Gallen, 
uh, those types of arms went in the seventh round. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I do. Uh, go ahead. No, I just I don't want to dig into Zach Gallon. I just want to bring it up to people listening. Go look at what he's done this year. He deserves so much more attention than he's getting. He's been ridiculous. Oh, strikeouts today. So yeah, so I just want to bring that up. He's the ERA below three. But uh, where are we going? So we want to talk about our own teams and kind of real quick what... though. One other name that did not get picked that I'm really curious. Giancarlo's still out there. That's yes. a lot of power. That's a lot of power. It's a lot so, of power. Someone but, who's like, and I don't know, maybe because he's currently hurt. Yeah. Like that plays into our kind of psyche. psyche. Um, yeah. Not not my team. <laughs> I'm not a sand guy. Never really have been, but he will go in the top. At this point so. in the draft, I'm interested. But yeah. okay. I'll let you have the four, Mr. Pick six. Um, why don't you talk about your picks here? What your thought process was? So like I said, we were five and six and not to, you know, we, we kind of joke overanalyzing the first round, but I think this is fun and, and no one else has really done this yet. So I wanted to take a hitter in the first yeah. round. I want to build around a hitter and I was hoping I had five clear hitters that I wanted to take those hitters in order were Trey Turner, Julio, or sorry, Jose Ramirez, Otani, Acuna and J-Rod. And the first four hitters all were You're taken. Welcome. So welcome. it started uh, Trey Turner, then Otani, who I, I think Otani could be 1-1. Just yeah, I thought he would be in a DC format, personally. Yeah, uh, just because it's, yeah, you can adjust hitting pitching. Based you basically on have 51 players now. Yep. Um, Otani, J-Ram, and then J-Rod. And I was like, man, Bubba, if you take Acuna, I'm going to be pissed because I don't know what I'm going to do really do i, yes, I, I was gonna ask you what, what would you Judge. what would you have done so if i i probably would have taken corbin burns i probably would have taken corbin makes me burns feel even worse now overall <laughs> i i like burns i i just think and and this season going into this season i had cole over burns burns this season it's just one more season of being corbin burns so corbin burns was my top pitcher i would have gone burns judge or tucker probably burns um and and yeah but you 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 made that decision for me by taking Garrett Cole again not a bad pick at all it's just I wanted to start and I, I took Acuna in this uh, sixth overall which I I I, I love so um, yeah that's how that started yeah no that's uh that's great but yeah just go through your whole roster and then I'll go through mine <laughs> all right I started Acuna then I went Nola went Starling Marte in the third round I probably drafted Starling Marte for 20 12 years in a row and Aaron Nola. Like this is a, this is a classic Bloomfield team. Ryan Presley in the fourth. So got the closer Spencer Strider. I went within yeah. the fifth and kind of like, and I, I mentioned this during the zoom and you'll hear it on the pod. It, it felt like this guy's falling and I need to take him, which usually doesn't work out. And I'm honestly like, I'm worried a little bit about Spencer Strider's innings, uh, obviously for the rest of this season, but heading into next season as well. But I thought in the fifth round, like Spencer Strider on my actual sheet was like my f- number four starting pitcher. I don't have him ranked that high, but the num- that's what the numbers said, just kind of my back of the napkin calc. So Spencer Strider in the fifth round, and then I followed that up with boring bats, which is, again, typical Bloomfield. I took Xander Bogarts in the sixth, one pick after Dansby Swanson, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually, so in the sixth round, Wander Franco, Corey Seager, Dansby Swanson, and Xander Bogarts in that order went. And then um, in the seventh round, I just took Wilson Contreras. I went back and forth between Wilson and Contreras and Adelise Garcia. 
probably should have taken Garcia, but I already had two other outfielders and I don't know. That's my excuse at least, but I, I think at least Garcia should have been taken in this draft. I should have taken yeah. him in the seventh round, but I went Wilson Contreras instead. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of mad. I didn't get at least as well. That's when I kept looking at, looking at, looking at, but yeah, as we've mentioned a million times and if people saw a tweet today, Brian Slack put it in our DMS. So I thought I had tweeted out. It was a picture of me with him <laughs> quoting why the F did I draft Garrett Cole? Cause it's how I felt from the get go. Like I love Garrett Cole. I think he's amazing. He's great. Acuna but you're just you're and i mean you mentioned this but this is the thing of drafting blind if you knew yeah. that you could have gotten a woodruff wheeler in the exactly. second round now, like looking at the taken. board looking at the board now it's like oh, it was just such a stupid pick like look it's at not the a whole... stupid pick it's just it's yeah it's drafting blind that's what happens yeah. Yeah, so so then I went Lou Bob in round two because I love the power speed. It's just, can you please stay healthy? Because even when he doesn't stay healthy, he puts up respectable numbers that would project out to a great season, but just stay healthy, please. So I took the gamble there. Uh, and then I went Ozzy Albies. He's one of the ones I think maybe, because he was like a, a round two pick last year. So I think the fact he's injured oh, yeah. maybe pushed him down a little bit, maybe. Or, I'm just, or I just like him too much. I don't know. But this is a power speed guy. I know he kind of had a little bit of a down year this year, but um, I, I like the bounce back in round three there especially at second base where we talked about it in the chat. It's one of those positions that might be a little rough this year overall compared to like last year was third base and the guys were breaking down. Second base could be a little, a little rough going forward. And then I went with one of my staples. I've had him pretty much every year since he's been a regular is Randy Rosarena. The dude can hit and he can hit for power and he can run. So I love the power speed combo. Uh, went Devin Williams around five. We've talked about that enough. And then this was just, I guess, got, we just had to do it. I went Reese's Pieces, Reese Hoskins in round six because two reasons. A, I love Reese Hoskins, and he's finally doing what I've yelled at forever, and people say he can't because he can't hit for average. But um, I need power. That's the one thing I was looking at my team. And so I was. that's why I was like, Adelise was on my list. Even That's where Giancarlo at least came into the discussion for me. Um, I'm looking, I was looking at available players and potential 30 home run guys. And there wasn't a ton that made me feel warm and fuzzy. There's always going to be some, but Reese, I can pencil in, in my mind and barring a weird injury, 30 plus homers pretty easily. Would so, you have so. taken, so just two, or th- sorry, three picks before that, uh, Rob D took Vinny Pasquantino. Was, would you, do you have Hoskins ahead of Pasquantino? I, I have Hoskins ahead, but I wouldn't be shocked if Vinny's better. Vinny's awesome. Vinny's yeah. great. It's one of those, this is where the, the blind thing, I don't know where prospects go right now. And like, yeah, he's going to be hard to, yeah. yeah Vinny P is awesome. And it's one of those you could draft in one draft. He could be like a fourth round pick depending on who you're with or his other drafts. He could fall. Uh, I love Vinny P. So I, I don't mind that at all, but yeah, Reese is uh, there. And then I went Blake snow, which is not a normal Bubba pick, but I can acknowledge the changes he's made this year and looks pretty like the Cato walk percentage. We talk about it all the time. Bloomfield, you look at snow's Cato walk is over 30%. Like, that is elite stuff he's doing out there. He's going six innings in most games, playing on a good Padres team. So as my SP2, I went there. Um, yeah, that was interesting. I mean, I, I put a Snell tweet out earlier this week. Blake Snell last season had the best strikeout minus walk rate of any starting pitcher after August 1st last season. He's number two this season over uh, the last month. So, like, he's just got to put it together for a full Early season, on. which he's done before. I mean, the guy yeah. has won a Cy Young. So yeah. um, I'm fine with Blake Snell there. But I guess the moral of the story, and I've heard like James Anderson and some others talk about it, is, and we talked about it already, pitching's deep, so you can kind of wait and still get some some really solid arms. At the same time, there's still a lot of them out there, and if you do your DC research properly, you can just low, like um, Phil DeSoe talks about it. It's uh, maybe get an ace or two early, tons of hitters, 
And then he just goes on a pitching barrage and just like all these like third, fourth, fifth starters that he can pencil in throughout the week, just rack up innings. So lots of options out there. But what's your your takeaways from the first seven rounds here? Because it was fun. A lot of stuff off the board. Uh, catchers went way more aggressive than I thought. Um, that that was pretty – we already kind of talked about oh, – we didn't talk about that. But I think we had like 10 catchers or whatever go off the board. That was wild. So And I don't have any. So I've got that going for me. Yeah, and the catchers that went off, it looks like there were eight catchers, eight. and it was uh, JT Real Muto in the fourth, followed by Will Smith, and then James Anderson took Adley Rutschman in the fifth round, which if you see what Adley Rutschman's been doing he, you could after his first month of adjusting mm-hmm. to major league pitching, I totally get that. And then there was a huge run of, of catchers in the seventh round. So it was yep. Dalton Varsho, my Wilson Contreras, Alejandro Kirk, taking my Brian Slack, Waxman took MJ Melendez, um, new name this this early along with Kirk, but yep. names that I can certainly get behind in the seventh round given the state of catching. And then Tyler Stevenson, Mister Mister Irrelevant in the in the the last pick of the first portion of this to to Mister Fish. So that was sneaky, right? Yeah, because yeah. he's out for he was one of the top catchers before he got hurt. Like that's a sneaky one to to, to put in there. That's why it's a sharp room. Like yeah, certain picks would be made. I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that guy. That's that's a good pick. Like that's a smart pick right there. So that's the beauty of this. I'm looking forward to it. like again. I just keep we could. I don't want to bring up the whole thing, but man, somebody's even fifth round. Robbie Ray, you Darvish, like those are good pitchers in the fifth round. So it's gonna be fun looking back on this, seeing where it goes, and kind of bitching to do another draft. Like I, I joked about it in the chat. I was or in the room. I'm like, let's do another one in like a month and see where things change. <laughs> James. but uh we can't, yeah, man. we can't i want to I but we can't i know i'm with you got gotta gotta hold back discipline 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 yep. all right we got some listener questions here let's uh kick things off actually nate curtis he asks can you discuss jd martinez's power outage is he getting unlucky or has age finally slowed him down yeah, he hasn't hit a home run in like a couple months ryan it's been bad it's been, yeah, it's been really rough. And and someone who like, yeah, you can't not put in your lineup every week because it's JD Martinez. He could go off. So we think at any point, 157 over his last 70 at bats with no home runs. His last homer was July 10th. Um, if you look at the monthly kind of power metrics, honestly, to me, it looks fine. I, I, I mean, down a little bit from his peak, but I don't know. I want to say a little bit unlucky. I'm not saying he's going to bounce back or anything the rest of the way. He's 34. Like you just wonder if there's some kind of Votto-esque injury or something going on. Uh, but he's still making hard contact. The strikeout rate over the last few months, and he's striking out a lot in August. So maybe maybe he's pressing and things are getting to him. But um, no, from an overall aspect, I'm not like super worried. But for the rest of this season, like things are not trending the right way. And you start to kind of press and get that strikeout rate rate up, um, like Martinez has had in August, and it, it's it's concerning because time's running out for him to turn it around. Yeah, he's not the set it and forget it he once was. That's oh. for sure. I'm not saying he's a drop, but I understand it. Like in a ten team, you can probably drop him. There's there's going to be replacements out there. Twelves, it's up for debate. I wouldn't judge you if you did. Let's put it that way. I get it right now. So I'd hold it's, on to it's a him, tough but, one. But, I would try. I would try, but I'd get it if you're hamstrung somehow to, to yeah. need to do it. Um, Little Book of Calm says Pablo Lopez career high innings pitched, worst fastball velocity in four years, ERA, xERA, FIP, Sierra within one within point one five of each other, 
Last six starts from July 19th to August 18th, 7.2 ERA, 1.53 whip, 30 Ks, 8 walks, and 30 innings pitched, 3.26 ERA, and 160 innings pitched. What is the true talent for 23? Is he broken rest of season? Uh, and opponents in that stretch were San Diego, Atlanta, Cubs, Mets, Texas, Cincy, at Cincy. So maybe just a brutal stretch is what he wanted to clarify before he completely threw him under the bus, basically. <laughs> So it was a good, good piece of analysis, like as part of the question. <laughs> yeah, as I kept reading, I'm like, oh, he's reading. I'm reading Fangrass. No, that's the uh, that was Little Book of Calm coming through. Um, so we we kind of touched on this earlier with Tyler Malley and shoulder injuries and that sort of thing. Pablo Lopez was a guy who I was completely off in draft season yep, uh, because of, I mean, for that reason, and kind of looked like a fool early on. At a dude at a point three nine ERA in April, two seventy eight ERA in May, looked great. Um, but the velocity was down uh, in season. The velocity is actually up. He's throwing on, in July through 93.6. His last three starts in August 94. That's compared to 93.2, 92.8 over the first two months of this season. So like the velocity is there. Um, the swinging strike rate is there. I think, I think this is just kind of an um, either unlucky or tough schedule with on a Marlins team that's really kind of hard to play for right now. I think if you bought into Pablo Lopez before the season and you look past kind of the the shoulder risk, I don't I don't see a whole lot of change in his skill set um in season. Yeah, that's kind of where I am and I was with you as well. I was just off of him going into the season. He got some goods in the beginning, might be yep. catching up and one of the biggest things that he mentioned career high in innings pitch he might just be out you're a big guest like that happens especially yep. if you already have a shoulder injury to begin with like that's he just might be guest. that's just the bottom line of the situation so yeah sucks but uh maybe something to keep in mind for next year jeff zimmerman asks adelise garcia is the 19th rated player at rasball but was not drafted do you think he should have been drafted and if so where i want to check something real quick before you answer ryan but on my rasball player rater i did a 15 team yahoo league and he was 14th on the player Raider. Wow. So that's what really stung every time I kept staring at that. We already said he should have been drafted, yes. Yep. I think that's just a miss by the room. And we talked about we kind of we kind of shot the shit after the draft for maybe like a half hour or whatever and talked about guys who didn't get picked up. I know that's kind of you, – you don't bring up guys who haven't been drafted yet, but I don't know. We're doing this in August, and we, yeah. we were done with phase one. So we brought up a bunch of names, and Adelise Garcia was the hitter that the room brought up. Uh, where it's like, yeah, why did why did nobody take him? Um, I mean, like nobody seems to like Adelise Garcia, especially given like I mean, going into this season with the second half fade and the plate skills and that sort of thing. But uh, dude had 31 homers, 16 steals last season, 19 homers, 17 steals this season. The 2020 bat. You know. Yep. I mean. Those do not grow on trees at this point. And if you told me I could get out Elise Garcia in the seventh round of a draft next spring, I would be gung ho. And that's coming from me who was completely off at Elise Garcia coming into this season. So um, I just think one of those guys, again, in any given draft, people are going to fall. And that was at Elise Garcia um, in this one. Um, Mr. Uh, Run TMC gives you a big props, big props. Uh, uh, Bloomfield, thank you, Tim. Yeah, Tim McLeod coming through in a big way for you. So, uh, speed, he's, he's looking at those for labor mix next season. So, yeah, he's your competition over there. Speed SP times two, closer, decent catcher. He like guys is decent catcher, it's kind of throw a little curveball to you. You'll find power later. Well done in addressing what I believe is a potential areas of concern heading into 2023. Tim's um, going to first pitch Arizona as well. So, see, he's soon. coming this year. Yep. Sweet, good to hear. 
Uh, Ryan Roof, who again made the amazing draft board with the stickers. It was one of the best things I've ever seen in a makeshift draft. He asks, you mentioned Strider falling when you took him, and I strongly debated taking him in the fourth. Had Harris gone earlier, Strider would have been my pick. Um, where hmm. were you expecting him to go, and where do you think he'll go at the height of draft season? Yeah, so I was expecting Spencer Strider to go like in the third round, uh, maybe fourth. And that's, I think, where he will go next draft season. Again, assuming these last five, six weeks, whatever, kind of he, he keeps doing what he's been doing. Um, so, yeah, I took him in the fifth, and I kind of mentioned this earlier. I like, didn't feel that thrilled about it. It was one of those he's falling, so I'll, I'll take him types. And a lot of times that doesn't work out. So I'm probably not taking Spencer Strider in the third or fourth. Uh, but I do think that's probably where he's going to go. And the, again, the big reason why I'm skeptical is just a major innings jump from someone who hasn't been a starter for a full season in quite some time. Yep. Yep. It'll be interesting. The tool, the, the repertoire is amazing. The dude's a beast. Yes. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Richard Sands asked, how soon would you draft Felix Bautista? He went in round five, a few picks after the greatest closer in baseball, Devin Williams. So where would you draft Felix Bautista? That sounds about right. Again, like assuming this spring he's still in the role, that sort of thing, yada, yada, yada. But that's the information we have right now. Um, if I had to pick between – so let's see. The fifth-round closers, again, were your Williams, Ryan Helsley, Felix Bautista, Felix. Kenley Jansen. I would rank them Williams, Bautista, Jansen, Helsley right now. Uh, but I think Felix Bautista will be like a fifth round pick next season, assuming he has the job. Yep. And that certainly makes sense to me. Yeah, Felix is awesome. There's no doubt in that. And then he also asked, is Bobby Witt a first rounder? He went 114. He went to the first <laughs> round to, I would see him, I think he's more of a second rounder, but we'll see. It's justifiable. So the yeah the thing with Wit, um, I, I I think he'll be one of those wheel guys just because yeah. of stolen bases like top five guy in steals with Bobby Witt's pedigree. I I the, the honestly the the plate skills and the power this season not that great from Bobby yeah. Witt. Um, and I actually wrote him up. Uh, I did like a rookie class check in for HQ in the speculator this past week, and I kind of wrote exactly that was like for all the praise that Bobby Witt has been getting. Um, kind of it started out horribly and kind of has been in a slump lately as well. So you wonder what the adjustment is. That said, I mean, dude's 22 was HQ's number one prospect heading into the season. Like there's certainly the theory that he could improve at age 23, right? Like that makes a ton of sense. So I think Bobby Witt being kind of a wheel pick 15, 16 in the first round is probably where he's going to go. I'm okay with that price. I'm probably going somewhere else just for a little bit more safety on the batting average and power side, but totally understand why you would take him there. Yeah, definitely. And the, and one other thing I'll throw in there, a shortstop third base option, especially in a DC. That's right a good day, point. That's huge. That's, that's a really good big, point. big to have. Um, say what says Trevor story third round is absolute craziness. He's on the other side of his career. Dude's numbers weren't good in Colorado in his last season. And this season he had one good week. Awful. All I say is go listen to the podcast. Yes. Because, yep. because I, I'm not going to even comment on it. Just go listen to the podcast. Just go I'm listen to say. the podcast. We, we had, we had immediate, <laughs> immediate reasoning for the pick. I, I can't give you a minute marker, but just go listen to the oh, pod. Man. Uh, it was, it was fantastic. So yes. It was uh, good. And the person who picked, 
Trevor story, Jason DuPont will say. Yeah. Um, it's all out there. Uh, responded to that tweet and and said, remind me. I think I guess there's like a Twitter yeah. bot that reminds you of things at a certain date. He said, remind me funny. next October. So um, yeah, listen to the commentary on that Trevor story pick at the uh, in the third round. All I'll say is Jason. Jason was amazing because he was on mute most of the time, but whenever he had something to say, it was like priceless. It was like when you took Xander, he said he had DMX DMX's references. He had it up on his phone, man. Uh, I was like, had, this is awesome. He had everything going on over there, but he, he, he was on mute, so he'd be quiet. You'd see him moving around, but then he'd unmute, and whatever he said it was gold. Like the entire time, it was, he was, it was cool. I, I have never met him, uh, but yeah. he was a real fun hang. That was yeah. he was fun it, to hang with. He was definitely good. Uh, Heath Cap says, "Love that catcher pool, looking deep." Yep, we kind of hit on that. That's uh, and there's still a lot of good ones out there. Really, there is. That's yeah. something I've commented on all year. Like, there's you can almost stream catchers all year with decent options because it's deeper than usual. It feels like. And Obviously, really, the takeaway, like, you can't though. Yeah, um, and I think the takeaway for a lot of listeners, if you're in keeper leagues or one catcher leagues, I would punt catcher. Yeah um 100 it's it's a very deep i mean just a few minutes ago i went through all the catchers i went in the seventh round all great choices and like you said bubba a few still out there hanging out so it's um it seems a little deeper than normal um our buddy alan daily and artist asks how much money would you would someone have to pay he always has great questions have to pay you never i i feels like like yancey eaton's hacked this account because he always came up with like unique questions for a podcast but he says how much money would someone have to pay you to never play fantasy baseball again please give answers in both u.s dollars and japanese yen um i don't know the trends that to transfer yeah, I, to yen I, so i can't help you there but to quit playing fantasy baseball i don't know probably not that much money but i do love playing it so it's kind of a i don't know i'd what about you? I'll let you have the floor on this one. It's tough. So I'll answer it. So it's funny. Like I actually thought about this uh, leading up to it. If it's strictly just playing, whatever. Um, so I actually still I, analyzing. We still podcast. Yeah. If I can still analyze and do pods and okay. go to first pitch and interact with people, like I put this out. I actually like that part more than playing. Mm-hmm. Um, like give me a give me an awesome podcast where people comment and people say great pod or that article helped me whatever give me that over like 100%. a team that wins the league like I don't I mean no one cares about that um, so if it's strictly playing like whatever I do this because of the people in the industry and just analyzing analyzing the game and writing about it that's what I truly like to do to answer it to a- to answer Alan's question in terms of like no fantasy baseball at all um i was thinking about this and honestly it would have to be enough money so that i could retire yeah and the reason i say that is like this is i mean this is what we do like this is our hobby for me like this keeps me going yep as weird as this sounds like we i mean this keeps me going throughout the week like I have got my day job. I support my family. I, I mean, I love spending time with my family. Like that, it's fantastic. But like, I live off of this stuff, and you couldn't pay me enough to where if I had to just do my day job and not look forward to this podcast or writing this article or interacting with people on a daily basis for this hobby that we all share and that we love, like you'd have to pay me a lot of money to uh completely shut out fantasy baseball um that's my take on it i don't i don't know how that translates to yen i don't know how much i need to retire (laughs) a lot of money i'm sure but that that's my take on it 
uh, that's a great take. And I agree with everything you said about the, that's why I've done this forever. Like I've only played an FPC for a couple of years, just so people would like shut up about it. Basically. And I, I like the format. Don't get me wrong, but I did this because I like fantasy baseball and talking baseball and doing that kind of thing. So um, that, that I agree it would have to be some kind of, I think it would have to be enough money to where I wouldn't need to even worry about watching baseball because like, I like watching baseball, I watch my giants, but in reality, I love watching like MLB network so they can jump around to games and see if my fantasy guy just hit a home run or something. Like I could yeah. care less about a lot of things. It's like watching the red zone for football. Do you really have a favorite football team anymore? Most of the time, no, you just want your fantasy team to do well. And that's kind of uh, the baseball life of it. And it's like Ryan said, it's like, we have our day jobs this year. I realized how much I really enjoy fantasy baseball in this community. It's been a very big, uh, big thing for me. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, I, Ryan said it very nicely, very, very well. I uh, hope people didn't think it was uh, too too cheesy or corny because it's true. It's 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 not for everybody, but it's a, it's a cool thing that uh, I got another again shameless plug. It, it's a good reason to go to First Pitch Arizona. Like you get to meet a lot of cool people and realize yeah, it's the culmination that, of yeah yeah. There's a lot the of years. us out there that love baseball, love fantasy baseball, and it's pretty darn cool so that's where i'll leave it at that before i start getting too sappy on you guys but uh, that's that that's a good one there good catch good question alan i appreciate it um drew our last question i drew at fru underscore dorte how did you decide on nola versus the other starting pitchers that went right after your pick not concerned yeah. that oh wait that's that one. So we'll stop with that one how did you take nola over the other starting pitchers uh i just like nola for the volume and the skills um going into the draft i was i would i was just kind of scheming it out. Happy to take either Brandon Woodruff or Nola in the second round. If either if either of those two fell to me, I would have been happy, and I had the choice between the two. Honestly, in in at least right now, I kind of think of those two guys as a coin flip. I don't like Julio Urias as much. It's just I just don't like the skills as much. But um, certainly understand that pick. But Nola for me, it's just the it's just the volume. Like that dude is just a horse, and I know it was down last year when I had him on a bunch of teams. Um, but we saw what he can do this season and yeah, just that, and those endings are gold with those skills. Yep. So, and, and that's such a big thing. And again, it's something I keep wanting to, I'm going to do some work on and articles and whatnot this off season, just even this draft brought to my attention, like my need that I drive, I don't draft power properly. Um, but the NFPC, I know people like don't like talking about it and we like to kind of incorporate other formats, but we we're talking an NPC draft. So that's the, the brass tacks of it. Um, you need innings. You need at-bats. People talk about that. And sure, Aaron Nola can be frustrating if you watch a game. We've talked about it so many times. It's like he's dealing, 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 and like that one inning. But we care about the total package. And like you said, Aaron Nola gives you innings pitched. He gets you strikeouts. Like he does things. And, the, and, and in the end, because you're going to pretty much start him every week, unlike other guys, the ratios are going to be fine. Like so you look at the big picture with the – you look at the big picture like Aaron Nola, and it's so good. But most people just remember like – when you tilt that start he had where it's just like, what just happened? He was dealing and now he leaves with five and runs over seven innings. You're like, what? The? So big picture with Nola. He's actually a legit beast in a format like this. Um, and the other part of Drew's question here, are you not concerned that Marte steals are way down this year? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, especially with the age. Um, I just, I, I, I go safety so early in drafts that like, it's almost like second nature to take for me, Starling Marte in the second, third round. That said, I mean, dude still has 15 steals this year and probably might finish closer to 20. Like in today's environment, uh, 
that's almost a top 10 stolen base guy. And then on top of that, you add the batting average, um, the consistency and, and some good pop. So like, yeah, Starling Marte coming down in steals is, is true, but you're coming down from 47 steals last year to, to 20. I'm okay. If he goes 20 again, I think that'd be fine out of the third round, given what else Starling Marte does for your team. hundred percent. And, uh, yeah, Starling Marte, Lou Bob, it's going to be fun when uh, all the content comes out this offseason for like uh, ADP debates and other things. And I can already see a foreshadowing Adelise Garcia versus those two guys based on draft price because we're talking yeah. 20 stolen bases and everything. Like average is down, but overall for the difference in your draft, that's the kind of things that are fun looking at these draft boards. Like that's what I love about it. And it's freaking August, which is dumb, but it's uh, <laughs> it, was so, it was so much fun to sit back and be like, Wow, this is like it opens your eyes already, and we still have we still have to set lineups tomorrow morning, Ryan. Or you already did tonight. Like we got stuff to trout, do still. So. Yeah, we already got stuff to do. But we'll wrap it up there. We'll wrap it there. That was a fun. Full, they're always fun episodes. That was fun talking some draft. Like like we said earlier, we set it off the air and stuff. Is I even went into last night and think like, man, do we really need to do this right now? Like I was I was the I was the grumpy guy in the DM earlier saying, do we have a time limit on picks? Because I'm like I don't want to be here all night. <laughs> the next thing you know, it was absolutely amazing so uh final thoughts ryan i got i got nothing this was an awesome week awesome pod i'm like fired up for 2023 already but let's get through 22 we still got some some races to win down the stretch and keep your questions coming for the pod because we'll help we'll do our best to help you guys go down the stretch um get your questions in hopefully the weekend matchup things helps you guys for streaming because i know like joe g and some others they've demon me the other day that they're just streaming day to day now they're, they're grinding their butts off so Keep them coming. Keep grinding. There's lots of ways to, to, to get up the rankings. So for Ryan, he's on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Go check out his work at Baseball HQ as usual. I'm on Twitter at BDentric, and we'll be back with you guys next week with another episode of Bubba and the Bloom. Catch you all later. better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.